Hi, I'm Greg Rockefeller. I'm Beth Rockefeller. And I'm Mia Rockefeller, and this is Reading with the Rockefellers, a family YA book club podcast. Today we'll be discussing Glass Sword, the second book in the Red Queen series by Victoria Aveyard. So grab a copy and join us on this literary journey. This is not the Black Run. Instead, Cal pilots a massive cargo jet built to carry heavy transports or machinery. Now the cargo bay holds over 300 escaped prisoners, many injured, all shell-shocked. Most are new bloods, but there are also silvers among them, keeping to themselves, biding their time. For today, at least, they all look the same, cloaked in rags, exhaustion, and hunger. I don't want to go down to them, so I stick to the upper level of the jet. At least it's quiet in this section, separated from the bay by a narrow stairwell, and from the cockpit by a closed door. I can't make myself move past the two bodies at my feet. One lies beneath a white sheet, stained only by the blossom of red blood over his pierced heart. Farley kneels over him, frozen, a hand under the sheet, to clutch my brother's cold, dead fingers. The other corpse I refuse to cover. Welcome to Reading with the Rockefellers. This is Season 2, Episode 28, Glass Sword, Chapter 27. Mare, can you not? I mean, honestly. For two seconds, please. No. No, she can't. Do you know what else that cargo jet was built to carry? Cal's swolness. Oh, well, yeah, I mean. (laughs) Surprised anybody else even fits in there. They can't in the cockpit. It's just full of swole. Can't even open the door. <laughs> so Mare's all excited because Alara basically looks like some sort of horrible science experiment gone wrong since she like torched her. And her <laughs> outfit is melted to her and all her hair is singed off and her face is like all distorted. And this makes Mare super happy. Guys, I'm a little worried about Mare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this I'm whole just chapter. a little worried. Yeah. Behind the scenes to the listeners, this is the second time we've had to record this episode because the first time my computer went haywire and something happened and we're not really sure, but we lost the whole recording. So we're having to record it again. So if we mention that we've talked about this already, it's just because we did it in the other recording. And so now we're going to have to re- do it. So the the discussion will still basically be the same, but we might reference things we've already said that you guys haven't heard because we've talked to each other about this once already. Right. And if all the chapters for this to happen on, it happens, it on, happens, this happens on this chapter. Where Mare like, is uh, unbearable. Sometimes unbearable. We wouldn't, and sometimes we wouldn't have worried about it, but this is a very important chapter. It yeah. Really and is. we need to cover it. Like so. when we lost chapter 12, it was like, <laughs> well, I mean, it's just chapter 12. It's not like, you know, they discuss the death of Shade and Alara in chapter 12. <laughs> and Mayor basically pisses everyone on the I plane mean, off. I mean, honestly. Honestly. I, I, this, is, this is such a... This is a lot. Mayor says, uh, everyone will know this corpse. I'll make sure of it. Like, that's what she's thinking in her head. So she basically wants to take the corpse on a victory tour. It's like she's just so <laughs> excited to show everybody that she killed Alara. And who does that sound like? Maven. Yeah. We're going to get mean to that. Exactly like Maven. Right. 
She says a lot of things in this chapter that yeah. sound like me. Yeah. She tells Kalorn that she wants Cal to change course. And Kalorn's like, why would we do that? We've got other members waiting for us and a bunch of kids back at the notch. And basically what she wants to do is she wants to take Alara's body to Tuck and show it to the colonel and be like, look what I can do. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, who's formidable now? You know, who, who's got the upper hand now? You know, she is major power tripping off of this. Right. I see her laying out the body on the tarmac and doing the Mick Jagger rooster dance around yeah. in front of the colonel. <laughs> you can stop me up. <laughs> yeah, just all over the place. Yeah. Or uh, Elliot's I told you so yes. dance. I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. Yeah. <laughs> but... I, it would look really funny because as little rhythm as Elliot has, I imagine Mare <laughs> has even, even less. less. Probably. Yeah. She'd probably dislocate something like me. <laughs> She'd just fall over. Ow! Oh, I hurt. Yeah. Nice Scrubs reference, though. <laughs> Kalorn is like, why would we do that? Like, he literally wants to kill all of us. We barely got out of there. <laughs> And she's like, I think that we might have a bargaining chip now. Yeah. You know, she wants to show off what it is that she did. Right. She's so proud. For the record, there's going to be a lot of times where you'll just hear me in the background just being angry. You'll just hear angry Mia noises. And that's okay. Yeah. This, especially to have to go through this chapter again. <laughs> it's like we've already been angry once, and now we're like double angry because we have to record this again, and because we have to get all the way back into this emotion. Because Mare sounds like an absolute psychopath. She really does. during yeah. this chapter. Yeah. She is dead set on making sure as many people see this charred, disgusting body as possible. Now that being said. Can't really say I blame her. No. No, I agree with that. This woman made her life a living hell and put her in the situation that she's in. And, of course, she can't direct that anger at Maven because, you know, Maven. But right. still, it's just it, it's just bananas to me, her it's, behavior in this chapter. It's not the fact that she's wanting to use the death of Alara and the corpse as a tool in the war, it's the glee with which she talks about it to herself. Right. That's disturbing. Yeah, Kalorn is giving her crap about wanting to go tell Cal about changing course, and she's in her mind telling herself, like, stupid fish boy, you know, he doesn't have the good sense to follow my orders when I've done literally everything I can to save his life this entire time. It's just like... Give me a mare girl. Mm-hmm. Mare girl? Mare girl! It's like, seriously? This is, this is now a just broke. book and eight tenths, basically, of a book of her trying to save Kalorn's <sighs> life. And now she's just like, mm, stupid fish boy. But it's like, do you even hear yourself? Do you hear yourself? I have, and it's only going to get worse in this chapter. I have never wanted to punch a fictional book character in the face more than I do right now. And in fairness to Kaloran, he never once asked her to save his life. He was never like, Mare, 
please. Also true. <laughs> Ruin, just, just forget everything that matters to you. Only focus on saving my life. Right. Not once Pretty did those. Please. Yeah, n- never. Now, the only person that Mare is not going to cower from, are not going to try to boss around in this situation is a very angry Farley who comes running towards her like Blanca from Street Fighter 2 on all fours, just snarling. (laughs) Farley is not happy. Not happy. And And she's like, did your seer see this? Did he tell you this was going to happen? Did you know that your brother was going to die? And you sent everybody in there anyway to certain death? She is hot. Farley coming in, not physically, like, looks hot, temperament hot. Yes. She is ready to tear somebody apart. Both. I mean, I'm sure she probably looks, it's like, oh, she's so cute when she's all pouty like that. Like, But she's also like, if there weren't other people around, she would probably try to kill Mare. Probably. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like she's Mare can angry. retaliate because if she sparks up on the plane, the whole thing is going to crash. So what's she going to do? Like. Apparently slap Farley. I mean, she does slap her because Farley is you know, basically accusing her of leading Shade into sudden death. Like, John had to have told you this. So why would you still, right. why, you why know, would you go along him? with it? Why right. Leave him here. Right. Who cares about a dead man no one's ever heard of when you can have this corpse? You know, oh. like like losing Shade was okay to her because they're coming out of it with Alara's body. Right. That's when Mare slaps her, is when she says that, like... That Alara's corpse was worth shades, basically. Mare is not happy about that. This is when Mare, like, takes a huge turn even more towards annoyingness. Yes. She completely discounts Farley being upset and, like, thinks that she has the lock on this particular grief period yeah Yeah. no one else can be angry yeah nobody else is upset upset that shade died except her because it's like he was my brother you know and it's like she's like he was so much more to that than me you know it's like mayor's not realizing this was basically like her fiance right you know she's mayor is like i don't know if she's consciously avoiding it but because she's got so much on her mind she sees what's going on between shade and farley but completely dismisses it and never really does it dawn on her right how deep their connection right like shade possibly couldn't love anybody here more than me right because i'm his sister so she does to try to pacify farley she says john did tell me something to tell you if that helps at all he said that the answer to your question is yes and with that all of the fight and basically color of her face drains out of Farley. This is not good news. This is not good news. We speculated in the last episode, I don't think it's much speculation here at this point, that what John is talking about is answering Farley, yes, you are pregnant. Yes. You're going to have a baby. You and Shade are going to have a baby that you're now going to have to raise on your own. Which explains Farley... Throwing up Puking all the time everywhere. when they're Constantly. flying when she didn't before, right? Yeah. So he, basically, he said, he told me the answer to your question, and the answer is yes. And that's when she's just like, oh. And, because, no. I mean, what's more 
terrifying than bringing a child into this world and doing it without the father and doing right. it without the father and being pregnant during a time like this and none of this has even crossed Mare's mind right <laughs> at this point in time i still don't think she gets it no she's just like the answer to your question is yes you know whatever that well means. that shut her up good <laughs> yeah she's like i don't know I what that means but life. it levels her so she's not really concerned about Farley. She's like, "Oh, this must have been bad news." Well, that's nice. I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> on to telling, her. on to telling everybody that Shade's death doesn't mean as much to them as it does to me. Next, <laughs> who's next? To mourn for Shade means more to me. Kalorn, <laughs> you want to get in on this? I'm good <laughs> no, there. right? He's cowering in the corner. <laughs> it's like I don't understand. So, yeah, Cal. Uh, has a flinch here because he doesn't understand why Farley is acting this way. She basically crumbles to the floor in tears, and, and they're that all just like everybody. Um, Farley doesn't express a lot of emotions. She's the strong one, so I don't understand what we're supposed <laughs> to be doing here. He throws up a lot. Is super emotional. Just got bad news about crying being about yes. about her boyfriend being dead. What could that oh. possibly mean? Must be that time of the month. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> just throw a chocolate bar at her and walk away <laughs> give her a snickers in this mess of <laughs> farley crying on the floor mayor thinks i don't want to leave her not farley alara's body <laughs> right not worried about a crying farley at all which is this is the first time we've ever seen farley cry yes. even when she was betrayed by her father this obviously means more to her than that but Mare is afraid that if she doesn't have eyes on Alara's body at all times, that it will reanimate and get up and walk around and control everybody, and then they'll all kill her. Or some sort of some. catastrophization of Alara not really being dead. I, the idea is just that nobody can understand and comprehend that she could have been killed, is the point. Like... No, that's not getting through anybody's brain. Right. It wasn't part of the plan. They weren't expecting Alara to even be there. They did all of these things to try to keep her from getting involved in the battle anyway. Then worst case scenario happens. She shows up and Mare's the one that gets to kill her. So, I mean, that's like a mega win-win for Mare. I get it. I get yeah. that she's taking joy in this victory, but she sounds like non-human when she says it basically yeah. Yeah. she turns into a complete monster a complete monster so she goes into the cockpit to talk to cal about this whole changing course situation and um you know he's like what what's going on with you? You know what Shade meant to her. Why are you acting like this? You're yeah. And you know, she's like, he was my closest brother and I lost him once before and I got him back and now I have to lose him again and blah 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 blah. And I can just imagine Cal is staring at her like you discounted all of my pain this whole time <laughs> over what Maven did to me. And now you've lost your brother and you want everybody to feel all sorry for you. Yeah. When you've literally felt no remorse or sympathy for anybody that you've killed. You right. think you have, but you really haven't. No, you like, she had like a crush on Maven for six weeks and thinks that <laughs> that 
think pain he, that she feels for him betraying her is worse than what Cal feels for being his brother for 17 years. Right, for years, 17 years. Right, his entire life. forced to decapitate his own father. Right. He's like, you don't, or she's like, you don't see me screaming at my people, you know, like, because Cal is, you know, like, let her scream it out. Right. And she's like, that's not how you handle things. And he's like, no, you just kill them. Ooh. Because Cal is salty about what happened in the control room in the prison. Which I don't blame him for that either. Mare did not need to kill those people. She just needed to incapacitate the cameras and get those people stunned long enough to where they could get what they had to get done, done. And get out of there. There was no reason for them to die. No. And they're... They're silvers, so Cal's upset about that. And Mare's like, oh, now you care. You didn't care when it was red people, my color. You could kill those all you want, but now when it's me killing your color, you're all upset about it. And he is just like, you know, she's not listening to reason at all. You know, she's basically just spouting this nonsense and discounting everybody else's feelings and you know he's like what happened to you you know how did you become this person and she's like what hasn't happened to me i haven't had a day where i don't worry about dying being caught where everybody's not hating me you know all just to prepare for this particular moment and now i've killed her and everybody's like you know, why are you acting this way? I got the victory I wanted, you know, basically. And, uh, you know, then she's like, and now on top of everything else, my brother just died. So, you know, I think that I can be a little bit uh, emotional here. I think the emotional range is, you know, definitely... uh, What's the word? Justified. Justified, yeah. And she does have a point, but your emotional range does not mean that everybody else has to just cease feeling their emotions because yours trumps theirs. That's kind of where I think Cal's coming from, too. Yeah, and he says, Alara wanted to turn you into a monster, and that's exactly what she's done. And Mare's like, well, that's great because Alara's dead, so she can't control me anymore. And then Cal has a great response that just kind of cuts right through mayor here let me read i'm trying to get my voice swole but still you feel no remorse for the dead you do whatever you can to forget them you abandon your family without a word you can't control yourself half the time you run away from leadership and the other half you act like some untouchable martyr crowned in guilt the only person who's really giving herself to the cause look around you mayor barrow Shade's not the only one who died in Koros. You are not the only one to make sacrifices. Farley betrayed her father. You forced Cameron to join us against her will. You chose to ignore everything about Julian's list, and now you want to abandon the kids back at the notch for what? To step on the colonel's neck? To take a throne? To kill anyone who looks at you the wrong way? Ooh. Wow. Mare says she feels like a child being scolded, but that she can't find words to be able to Well, girl, you kind of are. Well, yeah, I mean. And she's also 
trying to keep from crying and sparking up all at the same time. So I definitely know how she feels in this situation where you're like mad and crying all at the same time. But she kind of deserves it. Well, Not kind of deserves it. She definitely deserves she it. She definitely does. And again, you, you got to frame this in the fact that she's a 17-year-old teenage girl who's in this kind of situation. Right, and way I over wonder, her head, right. confused. And that's understandable. But Cal's saying this because he cares enough to say right. it. Right. And... I, I don't think I've ever seen a book protagonist with this bad of protagonist syndrome. Right. <laughs> it's true. He bad. says, and still you hold on to Maven, a person who doesn't exist anymore. And this is when it dawns on Mare that Cal has seen the notes. Right. That she has for Maven. Because how else would he know that she's keeping these things from Maven? And he's like, I'm not stupid. I saw you take all of those notes and never saw you throw them away. And then furthermore, you get up and read them when you think I'm asleep at night and I don't know. Like he is just, he's laying it all out there for her. He's heartbroken. He's, you know, trying to connect with her and a piece of her heart is still with somebody who doesn't even exist. Right? How can he, he admits to her here Basically, that he loves her. He says, love blinds you, you know, when when he's talking about all the things that she's done. And she's like, well, you were right there beside me. And that's when he said, love blinds. So he's admitting to her that he's in love with her and she can't get it over goes, his brother who is who that person doesn't even exist. It goes right over her head, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He says, love blinds. And she's just like, OK, this like, is your idea of love. Oh my God! Shut up. Well, and and Cal lost a brother whom he loved and thought was his. I mean, they were close brothers for so long, right? And he's having to get over the fact that this brother, his whole life that he thought was his little brother, he was protecting, is not who he thought he was right. the whole time. Was plotting against him this yeah, whole time. I'm sorry, your six week love affair with Maven <laughs> sticks in your mind so much, but how do you think he feels? Like he understands. Right. If anyone understands this portion of it, he does. He definitely does. And she has said that so many times. Like, Cal's lost his whole family, blah, 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 blah. And she's had to say that to the other Reds. And now she's completely discounting that. And so he tells her, I don't think you're capable of loving anything at all. When, you know, she's like, if this is your idea of love. And he's like, I don't think you're capable of loving anything at all. All you see are just pawns and people that you can use and they're just tools for you. And, you know, she is thinking to herself that words aren't her strong suit. She can't put into words how she feels. Mary, no word good. Right, which is why she's perfect for Cal. But (laughs) Cal needs her in this moment to say something. Yes. Reassuring to him that some of these feelings are mutual, that them sharing a bed means something to her, that their time together means something to her, and that in in some way this it's us against the world that he's feeling that she's also in that with him. And she's not able to do that. And that's that's sad. It's the first time we've really seen Cal show weakness like that. Yep. And she's not able to get over herself long enough 
to do what he needs her to do emotionally. Right. And it's, I mean, a lot of that has to do with the fact that she's only 17, but she's gone through enough that she should be emotionally mature, more mature for a 17-year-old, you know? Right. And she's just not picking it up at all. No, not at all. And as we've talked about multiple times, I, you know, she, she goes back to the, well, I'm, I'm the lightning girl and I'm red, but everyone looks at me differently and they look at me this way and I'm right. all alone and all Not this. red, but not silver. Right. And Cal is a silver, the rightful heir to the throne, the brother of the king who is causing this, all the measures and everything that's going on right yeah. now. And he has to live in this world of nothing but rats right? who look at him as the enemy. How do you, mm-hmm. I mean, how do you think he feels? Everywhere they go, there's wanted posters. Right. You know, they would shoot him dead in the street. And yet he's been the one who's been there for you and been your strength in this one moment where he needs something in return and she can't and give And she it can't to give it to him. Yeah. So she just changes the subject. She's, just, she's not going to talk about it anymore. She changes the subject for why she wants to go to Tuck. And she says that after the bombing in Archeon, that the Scarlet Guard took to the airwaves to claim responsibility for the bombing. And that's what she wants to do is go to Tuck with the body because, again, it's safe. It's away from everything, you know, so they can go there relatively undetected. And then they can make this promo video that they will then show everybody so that, you know, people know that much like Wu-Tang Clan, the Scarlet Guard ain't nothing to F with. (laughs) So, you know, now they've, they've killed the queen and she just wants to make sure everybody knows because then they're going to get more people that are over to their side and she can address more people that are like, hey, you know, all you people that there's something up with you and you're not sure what it is, Maven is coming for you. Right. So she wants to get that point across too. And we'll see the promo taping of the promo later on in the episode. So we're not going to cover it now. But that's her whole idea is that she wants to go to Tuck and let them know that we have all these new blood reds. We have your silver prisoners as well. She wants that to be known on TV. And then also that Alara is dead. Right. And that in, not only shows the Reds that they can have some hope, that these Reds are gaining power, that they've killed Alara, and then also that, you know, here's all the people that, have been have spoken out against her and they're now political prisoners. Right. So that's going to put Silver against Silver as well, being like, "Oh, you know, my my family members weren't really missing. They were put in prison by Alara for speaking up against, you know, Maven's new rule." Right. Basically a civil war. Exactly. Exactly. Amongst the Silvers. Yeah. yeah dividing them up so it makes reds come together and then the silvers are easier to conquer. Cal's not happy about this. He doesn't want a big war. And she's like, Mare is saying that there's going to be war either way. This is going to escalate. We might as well do what we have the best chance of winning at. And the best chance of winning is dividing the silvers amongst each other and hoping that all the reds pull together. And she's right. I like... I get where Cal's coming from because you don't want to see your 
He doesn't want to see the Silvers war with each other. But there are there are people who side with Cal on this, who right. know what Alara did, and then there are people who are siding with Maven. You can't have it both ways. Right. There's a fracture already. It's coming. He kind of needs to understand he's going to have to pick a side. Right. You can't stop it at this point. Unless right. Unless you just want to go back to living under Maven's rule. Like, what does he think is well, going to happen? He's a he's wanted. If anybody even captures him alive, Maven would make his life a living hell. Oh, yeah. Because he doesn't have a Lara in his head anymore. Nope. But the damage is already done. And he's not going to do anything that's going to risk him not having the crown anymore either. Right. Well, and he's without a Lara, it's worse because he's going to be unstable. He's a kid. Right. Now with all this power. Psychotic because of his mother and his mm-hmm. mom is not there to at least say, okay, we can't do this because that's going to cause Selder. You know what right. I mean? Right. And here's how the optics look on that and everything right. else. He's, he's his. He doesn't care. All yeah. by himself. And I guarantee you he'll just surround himself with yes men. Oh, yeah. And kill anybody that tries to tell him no because that's who he is. Right. And because anytime he gets a little angry, he just becomes like a child and throws a flaming temper tantrum yeah he's very impetuous Mm -hmm. like very impetuous so she uh mayor tells cal that after he drops her off that you know he can go back to the notch and get all the kids and the people that they left with the kids that they don't have to abandon them but that she's got to do this as soon as possible this news needs to get out as soon as possible they need to get ahead of any spin that would go on this from Silver TV as well. Right. Because the Silver broadcaster, you know, whoever this series is, Caesar Flickerman is, <laughs> is going to come on TV and be like, oh, you know, a, a rogue group of red rebels broke in and killed the queen and murdered everybody. Because these prisoners, they're pretty much, the Silver ones, they're pretty much presumed dead already because nobody knows they've been taken prisoner. Right. So the the media could just sweep that whole thing under the rug except for the death of Alara and make them look even more like dangerous fugitives. Right. So they've got to get out ahead of that. Mayor go or Cal goes to touch Mayor like on the arm to be like, "All right, fine. We'll do it your way and then I'll go get the kids." And she like f- flinches away from him and says, "Don't ever touch me again." Ugh. Don't touch me anymore. Yeah, so she's going to play that card. Oh, it's my like, God. He's just like, okay, great, fine. If that's how it's going to be, then that's how it's going to be. So you remember earlier in the episode when I said I've never wanted to punch a fictional book character more than I do now? Is it this part right it's, here? I. That's changed. Now is <laughs> now is the... the you the, really want to lay it on her? Yeah. Punch her. I just... Yeah. I, I feel you. Fists are going to go flying. They land in Tuck... And she makes a comment about how beautiful it is there. There's not even any wind, no clouds, just blue sky and sunshine. And she says the most downer thing ever, which it's too beautiful of a day for all these people to have died. Oh, my God. What can she not? a mega bummer. Yeah, please don't. Please don't. Like, can you just not? Yeah. No, she can't not. She definitely can't not. So they are deboarding the plane, and the bodies are being carried on stretchers. They're covered at this point in time because Mare wants that 
pull back the sheet surprise for Alara. So everything is covered. Yeah. The colonel sends out some people to look very menacing. (laughs) He's got his army there at the runway. Yeah, he definitely has his army there because he is not expecting them to come back. And he's a little worried about what's going on. What's going on? Called ahead. Who's on that stretcher? Yeah, yeah. Ada called ahead um, and let them know. You know, we're coming back. We've got a surprise for you. Blah 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 blah. The colonel sees stretchers and immediately scans the crowd for Farley. Right, and he's well. Okay, which too because they said they had a surprise and he knows it's not a stripper in a cake now. Right. I mean, I guess it still could be, but there's (laughs) dead bodies to deal with first. Right. Which like. Awe that he looks for Farley. Yeah, well, of course he. I mean, he, he, he loves his daughter. Right. It, regardless of what happens, when you're a parent, you're still gonna be ultimately concerned about the well-being of your child. I kind of wonder because he doesn't really know Mayor that well. If it's not running through his head that when she said we're tell him we're bringing a surprise, that he's not thinking, oh, they're bringing Farley back dead. Right. She's coming back to try to take over or something. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the, the black run is already there and Ada comes down off of it with some of the silver prisoners as well. And Mare notices how few there are, how few people actually got out of the prison. prison. So she's thinking there's a lot more casualties than... You know, I'm realizing, and maybe I should be not as upset about Shade. But then she thinks, my parents are going to be there, and they're going to be expecting two kids and only find one. So right back into party pooper mode. Yep. She was out, and she pulled herself right back in. The mafia didn't even have to do it for her. She just did it to herself. <laughs> just did it to herself. So he, the, they get close enough... For the colonel, he's like, don't come any closer because he doesn't know, again, what's under the stretchers, whether there's dynamite. You know, he has absolutely no idea what's going on. And he then he thinks the gift is all of these ragtag reds that he basically already said he didn't want there anyway. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you brought me all these people. And she's like, yeah, you know, Maven was going to experiment on them. They all would have been turned into puppets. You know, we had to break them out. And then, you know, he, she says they're new bloods like me and that we also brought silvers too. And he loses his mind. <laughs> He's like, you brought silvers here because this is their last like stronghold you know nobody knows this place exists so now that there's silvers here the whole thing could be busted they go home and they tell their family and they've just lost their hideout so she's playing a big gamble here and when she says that the gun the lakelanders with the guns like spread out you know it's basically a firing line at this point in time and she's like hollow threats the guns, you know, uh, she gun. knows that they're not going to shoot her. And he, the colonel even goes for his own gun. And she's like, cool, do it. You're not going to because I know whatever this command is that's higher than you, they want me alive. And you're not going to go against command. 
so I know you're not going to shoot me. And then she says, bring her forward, meaning the stretcher, which, you know, scares the colonel even more. And I think this is the actual part where he scans the crowd for Farley. Yeah, because he thinks it's Farley. He notices that it's not Farley, and then he's like, oh, so did you kill the prince, your biggest bargaining chip? And Cal's like, no, not really, you know, up from the crowd. So then the colonel's like, okay. And he's just staring at her. And she slowly reaches down and pulls the sheet off. And there's Alara, the dead body of Alara. And the the gunmen are the first ones to put their guns down and just be like, <gasps> whoa. Uh, what? Like, nobody can believe that. what it is. And he, the colonel says, is that who I think it is? And she says, Alara of House Mirandus, Queen of Norda, mother to the king, killed by new bloods and silvers in the prison that she built for them. Ooh. Yeah, so that's a pretty good one on Mare. Like, congratulations, Mare. His Were you practicing that on the jet? Really definitely <laughs> was all the way over. Because that's a long title. You got to get all that right. Yeah. Yep. Can't leave anything out. At this, the colonel gets really excited. And he's like, so what do you want to do with her? And uh, she says, the king and this country deserve a chance to say goodbye to her, don't you think? And then the, the colonel smiles. And it says that he looks just like Farley. When, when, she smi- smiles. when she smiles. So, aw. Then we cut to an absolute hilarious scene <laughs> of Mare and the Colonel trying to tape this promo for to air on TV to divide the silvers and unite the reds, basically. And it's like the sixth take, <laughs> and they still can't get it because Mare has to say, my name is Mare Barrow, I was born in the Stilts, a village in the Capital River Valley. My blood is red, but because of this, and then spark up, I was brought to the court of King Tiberius VI and given a new name, a new life, and made into a lie. They called me Marina Titanos and told the world I was silver-born. I am not. And then she flinches while she draws the knife, a knife across her palm Classic movie style to show everybody that she's got red blood. She's got red blood. Your palm doesn't bleed like that. People at home, if you haven't tried it, don't do it. It doesn't work. It hurts. And it's really not going to bleed that much. So word to the wise. Don't do that. But that that way she can at least show people that her blood is actually red. So she's got red blood on one hand, but flames sparking up on the other. She says, King Maven told you this was a trick. It is not, and neither are the others like me. All of you born red with strange silver abilities, the king knows you exist, and he is hunting you down. I tell you now, run, find me, find the Scarlet Guard. So she's basically saying, you know, Maven will hunt you down, or you can come find us, and we'll keep you safe. This is when it's the colonel's turn He's got a red scarf over his face in typical Scarlet Guard fashion. Like nobody's going to recognize the guy (laughs) with one red eye. But still, um, 
you know, he has agreed to take in these new bloods and he's going to be the one that's going to be like training them, you know, when they bring them to Tuck to keep them safe. And she says, unlike the Silver Kings, we see no division between ourselves and other Reds. We will fight for you and we will die for you if it means a new world. Put down the axe, the shovel, the needle, the broom. Pick up the gun. Join us. Fight. Rise. Red is the dawn. That's so generic. Like, call to arms. Yeah. This next part, though, not so generic. And this is and really, where really Mare kind of starts to come back to being a human a little bit. It's been a few hours. This body's probably really disgusting. But she grabs Alara's body by the hair and holds it up to where everybody can, like, see her head. The head's still attached to the body, so they don't, like, cut the head off or anything. Which would have been even worse. Yeah, which would have been really disgusting. But basically showing, this is what Alara looks like now. She's definitely dead. We definitely did it. You know, that's all you really need to know. But it still turns her stomach to have to touch the body like that. You know, she says it doesn't feel natural, Feels like not. anything good no. in my body has left. And it's like, yeah, that's what Cal was trying to tell you like five hours ago. But you weren't really listening, you know. It's probably getting kind of stiff and she's having to swat flies away from Yeah, well, pretty so. gross. Mare says, fight and win. This is Alara, Queen of Norda, and we have killed her. This war is not impossible. And with you, it can be won for good. So this time she doesn't say the full title? No, not this oh. time. Um, so she says, even now guardsmen are leaving their strongholds to wait for anyone to answer our call. So, you know, there's going to be people waiting places to be able to shelter these reds and get them to where they need to be so the, car- the colonel can train them up. Then the colonel steps in with his part. He says, arm yourselves, my brothers and sisters. You outnumber your masters and they know it. They fear it. They fear you and what you will become. Look to the whistles in the woods. They will lead you home. So it takes six attempts to get this last part right, but the two of them together say, rise, red as the dawn. And then she has a quick word for the silvers here at the end. And she says, your king and queen have lied to you and betrayed you. The Scarlet Guard liberated a prison this morning, and inside we found Red and Silver's both. Missing members of House Eral, Laralan, Osanos, Skonos, Jacos, and more, wrongfully imprisoned, tortured with silent stone, left to die for non-existent crimes. They are with us now, and they are alive. Your lost ones live. Rise to help them. Rise to avenge the ones we could not save. Rise and join us, for your king is a monster. And then she looks right, you know, straight into the camera. Maven is a monster. Ooh. And then the colonel just, like, looks at her like, what are you doing? You know, you're you're poking a very large, very angry bear. (laughs) I I don't know what she thought that was going to mean, because I'm pretty sure Maven knows that he's, like... What he's doing isn't right. He just doesn't care. Right. But this is more for people that are on the fence about whether or not they're going to support him. 
because the colonel is aghast at why she would say that. And then she's like, I'm making your job a lot easier if we divide the silvers against each other and give encouragement to the ones that are angry with Maven, then we've got a shot here. This is the only way we can do it. The only way we got out of the prison was by having Silvers also help us. So with that, you know, she wants to carry that surprise attack mentality through the rest of these battles because it will work. Right. Even her going on TV and saying, we have Silvers with us, they're still going to be you know, there's enough power imbalance to where these certain silvers and their abilities can be very, very powerful. Correct. And unable to, you know, be defeated against. So, you know, she tells the colonel that, you know, by doing this, we just made this a lot easier to Which is cool, which is right. Exactly. I mean, it's the truth. Exactly. She gets up and leaves... You know, she's like, I got the upper hand here, so I'm going to leave this conversation while we're s- I'm still ahead. Peace, I'm out. Right. And he goes after her, you know, arguing with her. And she thinks to herself, the last time I was here, I was so afraid of this man. And now I've returned his equal, if not surpassing him, you know, if not above what he was. Right. And... You know, she realizes that she doesn't need her lightning to be scared of people anymore. They are seen, they've seen what she's capable of, and they're afraid just of that. Right. You know, she can be this unhinged. That's pretty frightening to somebody. And uh, he says, you know, Barrow, I didn't say we, could, we were finished. And she's like, so make me stop then. You know, challenging him to be like, oh, you were so afraid of me last time, you know. Put your money where your mouth is, basically. I, is this really necessary, Mayor? No. 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 Definitely. Because she says he has no right to be afraid of somebody like me, but he is. You know? And she says to him, what changed you, Colonel? Because I know it wasn't your own good sense or even the orders of command. The Colonel just looks at her for a little bit. He says, and the reading says, after a long, drawn-out moment, he nods. Follow me. They've been waiting to meet, or they've been asking to meet you. Yeah. Who are they, and why do they want to meet Mayor? Oh, this next chapter is trippy. This next chapter is weird. (laughs) Yeah. So that's going to happen. Yeah, we're going to meet some new characters. Yeah. Interesting characters from a interesting place characters, that yeah. really hasn't been discussed at all. So No. A lot of good stuff coming up in the next chapter, too. Yeah. So this time, uh, when we recorded this the first time, we had ice cream, we had tissues. We were going to call the, uh, the episode Ice Cream and Tissues because we were all so emotional. I think we can still call it Ice Cream and we Tissues. We can probably still call it Ice Cream and Tissues, but we, we've processed this once already on... Uh, on air and now we have to do it again so sorry that you guys didn't get the first take of this conversation but i feel like we kind of nailed the second one we hit most of the points that we did in the first one Yeah, i think we actually made have may have made it a little better this time around we weren't so emotional yeah we weren't so emotional (laughs) so we kind of 
I mean, I was very angry. We were very, very and angry. And if, if you're angry and you want to make angry Mia noises to yourself when you're listening, That's feel free. Totally we, okay. won't, we won't judge you. It's, it's cathartic. Trust me, it helps. Right. Make, a, make an Instagram video of yourself reacting to it. <sighs> Upload it and tag us. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, there's one. Right, exactly. Just like go. this low growl, like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding <laughs> Just anger. Just anger. And and it's only gonna keep going. So mm-hmm. we're we're close to the end of this book. Indeed we, we are. We are getting close to all of the craziness that wraps up this book. Oh Lord. Uh and then we're gonna need a palate cleanser because oh, the end boy, of this book and the beginning of the next book are some serious downer stuff. Although you will not like that because this book ends on such a cliffhanger that the first time I read this series, I could not wait to check the next book out at the library. Yeah. So I started listening to an audiobook. Yeah. But we're it was make just a couple of hours till we could right. get you to the library and you didn't I don't think they care. had it. Oh, did we have to wait? I think that they didn't have any copies at the library. So it would it would have been a couple of days. Bummer. Well, we're going to the listeners are going to have to wait cuz we've got Yeah. We're going to need a break and have to we've got several Yeah episodes we're in, we need to do with the fan casting which we've got new characters so that's going to take a bit we've got some other episodes we're working yeah. on to kind of so you're we'll gonna have, we're going to decompress from we need this. an emotional break yeah. Yeah. you're going to have to we're wait also going to have month. a lot of stuff going on yes during that time yeah so, some theater yeah. things going on so we'll be doing some fun episodes that are related to this but they're not as intense all right you guys will still get content they just won't be discussion episodes every week for about a month or so so you can uh, hit us up with your videos of your own version of Angry Noises on Instagram. We are at Reading with the Rockefellers. You can email us. That address is readingwiththerockefellers at gmail.com. We have all of our season one episodes over on YouTube in video format, and that channel is Reading with the Rockefellers. And then finally, we have our website, which has all of our episodes our blog, fan art from season one, and that website is www.readingwiththerockefellers.com. And we will be back next week with another discussion episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.